Okay, friends, let's get curious and let's have a chat. This is Generation Jams. This is Dr. Jennifer, and thank you for joining us for Generation Jams. In this series, we discuss generations, what the idea of generation means, how people are similar regardless of generation, and where we are different, how we can appreciate that which makes us unique. In the journey we take in this series, we hope to encourage curiosity and open-minded thinking around age and the intentional building of intergenerational relationships so we can live, learn, and work together with appreciation. Today's guest is Michelle Gill. Michelle is an author and speaker on grief and loss. Her upcoming memoir entitled, Don't Tell Me to Get Over It, A Father's Love, A Daughter's Grief, comes out in ebook form this summer with a special hardcover edition to be published by the end of 2022. When she's not writing, she's trying new recipes from around the world, hosting safe spaces to talk about grief and loss, both on and off Clubhouse, and telling her two cats who think they're Egyptian gods that they've already been fed. Thank you for joining me for this discussion on Generation Jams, Michelle. Oh, thank you so much, Dr. Jennifer, for having me. I am really excited about the chance to talk with you about this issue. I'm starting a journey trying to unpack what these big buckets that we call generations, what they mean, how they, how they help define us and how we allow them to define others and how we can start to learn to work, live and learn together intergenerationally. So first, if you feel comfortable sharing this, what generation would you self-identify as being a part of? Definitely Generation X. Um, I was born in 1974, so I'm definitely in Generation X, but my parents were, my father was born in 1923 and my mother was born in 1945. So they're not boomers. They were part of the previous, uh, technically my father, definitely my mother, a little less so, but yeah. That is really something that I've, I've been turning over in my head recently. The idea that we have these generational buckets, you know, with Gen X and Gen Z and, and millennials. I don't remember when I was younger, I remember that we had a term for baby boomers, right? This very specific age where we had a boom and burst right after World War II. But the idea that each new generation thereafter would have its own characteristics and terminology, it seems like that's something kind of new. I don't know. What do you think? Oh, definitely. I mean, when I was growing up and going through the 80s and the 90s, there was the only, again, the only generation that was, well, there's two generations they talked about. They talked about the great, the great generation, which was all the men that went to war in World War II. And then of course, the baby boomer generation that came that you, like you mentioned, that 
the great baby boom, uh, the births after World War II. But uh, Generation X that, you know, having these labels uh, did not come until a little bit later. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what are your thoughts about the stereotypes around these generational buckets? Well, you know, stereotypes in general, they have some element of truth. The problem is it tends to be a generalization. And of course, people are, human beings are so complex. And there may be some characteristics that each quote unquote generational bucket shares, but you really can't throw everybody under one label. I mean, we don't like to do that for ethnicities, you know, or even countries. So why do we, why do we do this? And I think it probably came from a scientific need to label because we want to understand more why people do the things that they do. I have no problem asking that question. I love asking that question, but, Mm -hmm. um, like, for instance, the stereotypes with my generation, with Generation X, we're sometimes called the sandwich generation. Uh, we're often called the the, genera- the forgotten generation. I mean, in fact, there was a, it's, everybody knows about this now. There was a, um, a news story and they listed all the generations and Gen X wasn't even on there. Yeah. And a lot of people started tweeting about it and saying, geez, yeah, we are the forgotten generation. You didn't even put us on the chart. So, uh, Yeah. And, you know, for me, it's a little annoying uh, because the Gen X generation, I'm pretty proud of us. Uh, We are the ones that had one foot in the old pre-digital, pre-internet world and the other foot in the post-internet social media world. Uh, I, for instance, am always on social media and I'm excited to try out new platforms. However, I also love to write with a fountain pen and wax seals. And I still have pen pals that I write to in cursive. And sometimes I miss the days when I wasn't bombarded 24 seven with bad news and notifications and, and text messages. But um, yeah, so. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you on the value of a handwritten note, especially a thank you note um, means so much. It's, and it is kind of a lost art. I think, sometimes think that these buckets have sort of been arranged around the introduction of new technology. And I'm not exactly sure what role that has to play in separating, you know, where, where Gen X cuts off and where millennials cut off. But it does seem like if you mention somebody's generation, you kind of, do some shortcut thinking and have an idea of how fluid they are with specific kinds of technology. Like, okay, Gen X, they probably don't know anything or very little about social media. And I happen to know that you know a lot about social media. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, what happens too is, is what has happened. I'm sure you've seen it and I'm sure your listeners have seen it where it's especially between the baby boom generation and and millennials, where the millennials um, will or Gen is that also Gen Y? I think that's also Gen Y. Um, will say, "Okay, boomer." Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, but the baby boomers are also like, "Oh, millennials are so lazy and they are so entitled and all this stuff." And my first thought is, "Wait a minute." 
both of you, both sets, are coming at this from a very defensive position. And just because a certain group of people does not do things the way you grew up doing it, doesn't mean that the new way isn't a bad way. And on the flip side, just because something is old fashioned or was done a certain way, doesn't necessarily mean you should throw the baby out with the bathwater. There are a lot of things and a lot of knowledge that the older generations can impart to the younger generations. And at the same time, the older generation has a lot to learn as well. Because in my opinion, you should never stop learning. You should never stop being curious. The key is to have an open growth mindset. Yes. Regardless of your generation. Yes. Uh, couldn't agree more. And so much wisdom right there. Um, and I guess it, we'll just sign off there. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you just covered it all so brilliantly. But, but so true. And that's therein is the the power of having an appreciation of different generations and having intergenerational relationships. You can learn from each other. So having said that, have you had any meaningful relationships that stand out in your mind with someone from a different age group or a different generation? Oh, many. Um, but my dear friend, Marsha, comes immediately to mind. She's in her 80s now and has always been both an amazing friend, but also a wise mentor uh, since I was in my early 20s. And she's the one I call on the phone, not text, uh, when things, when anything happens, good or bad. Yeah. So that's someone who is definitely in a different different generation. And, and what kinds of things do you think you've learned from her? Oh, my. You know, I will say this. Um, and I know I'm kind of jumping ahead. But when I was struggling with writing my book, this memoir, I called her and I, I told her my fears. I had such imposter syndrome. And I just was feeling, you know, because it's my first book. Um, and I thought, who's going to read this? Nobody's going to read this. <laughs> and she practiced some amazing, tough love. Michelle, she said, you have a beautiful gift. And there is someone, no, many someones that are in need of your words. And if you don't share this with the world, you are burying your light. And, you know, we just, we were both crying um, while she was saying this. And, you know, having her kind of coach me and just believe in me, just having that encouragement really gave me strength to finish the final draft and say, okay, I need to stop making edits to this, mm -hmm. uh, trying to make it more perfect. Uh, she was really instrumental in that. Thank you for that. Um... Do you have any thoughts or advice for someone who may not see the value in someone of a different generation or a different age in the importance of connecting with someone outside their generation and having that intergenerational relationship? 
you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go out on a limb a little bit here and say, this is why I think it's important to try to expose our children to as many different age groups as possible, because, you know, in a school, it's very unnatural, actually, to have, you know, just be with your peers, people that your own age. It's great to be around people your own age, but, you know, life happens. And this is something that I have done throughout my life. I'm 47 now. And that is to constantly maintain my friendships, but also to make new friends as I go from all different generations. Because let's face it, we're human, we're not immortal. We will all die at some point. And there is no guarantee of tomorrow, no matter what your age. And I have seen this play out, especially with my mother's generation, where when you don't keep those friendships up and you don't make new friends who are younger than you, you end up at the end of your life, if you're lucky enough to live to um, a very old age, you end up alone with nobody to share your memories with because they've all gone. But if you have younger friends, Mm -hmm. that won't happen. I think about Marsha again, you know, she's in her 80s. Um, One of the reasons why I'm really trying to push to get this book published is because tomorrow is not guaranteed. And I want her to hold that hardcover book in her hand. And, you know, she gives me strength, but I think I also give her strength because I have an energy that she may not have. And I just think that's true. Um, of anyone. And I think that's why I think it's such a great idea. And plus, in the world, in the real world, you will meet people from all different generations. And hopefully not just all different generations, but um, socioeconomic backgrounds, ethnicities, um, cultures, you should be open to connecting with all of them. And so that's why I think it's a really good, uh, it's really good. I think it's healthy mentally and spiritually and emotionally, but I think also even physically. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering, connecting to something that you just added, I'm wondering if younger people might see, first of all, not see the value in, for this argument, boomers, because they're old. What do they know that, that I need to know? But I wonder if there's a part of it also that is afraid of loss and the idea that life is finite and I'm going to invest my time in people my age as opposed to reaching out to someone who isn't as active as I am. I don't know. We can't go skateboarding together. I mean, it's a ridiculous example, but I don't know. What do you think about that? (laughs) Given that grief is sort of something that you spend a lot of time working with and thinking about. You know, one of my favorite quotes is from C.S. Lewis, and he talks about when we open ourselves to love, we are opening ourselves up to loss. 
And you can go through life and say, well, I don't want to be that vulnerable because I might lose this person. But when you're not open to that, you close yourself off also from joy. I understand that fear. Yeah. Losing my dad uh-huh. is still really rough. Mm-hmm. But I even think about my two cats. It took me two and a half years to adopt them because I had lost my other two about a year apart. And I was like, I can't do it. Mm-hmm. I can't watch. And this was before my dad died. I said, I can't watch, you know, because my cats aren't going to outlive me. Uh, well, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe, who knows? Yeah. But, um, yeah. but technically speaking, they're not. And of course, now that I've lost my dad, there is this visceral fear that I sometimes tend to avoid. I don't like to think about, about even my cats. Like they're going to pass away at some point. They aren't going to live forever. And it's painful to yeah. think about that. But would I give up having them around? No, because they add so much joy just being who they are. Mm -hmm. And people are kind of the same way, even more so, that I don't love people because of what they can give me or what they can produce. I love them because of who they are. And so, for instance, my friend Marsha is not on social media. And sometimes that can be a bit interesting when I'm trying to share things because I will share stuff on all over social media. And my brain thinks, well, I've told everybody about that. Because I shared it across social media. If you Mm -hmm. don't follow me on Instagram, you're probably following me on Twitter. And if you're not on Twitter, you're on Facebook. And so everybody knows. Well, no, she doesn't know because she's not on social media. And so sometimes there's a bit of like, oh, wait, I thought I told you that. Oh, no. Okay. And so there's a bit of that disconnect, but it doesn't mean that I don't value her and that I, um, it's just an extra step for me. And it's, and which is totally fine and doable for me to reach out and say, hey, this happened, and to have a personal connection, which is yeah. what I should have anyway, since, since we're friends. And so I think that's, um, the other side too is, because you had asked specifically uh, about the younger generation not seeing the value in the older generation. And all I can think of, because my background is actually history, that was what my bachelor's is in. And I think about all the knowledge that has been lost over the years, um, and it, we've we've lost a lot yeah. just in the just in the last few generations. I think about my my great grandmother and my grandmother, who canned everything mm-hmm. uh, that you know to put up for the winter, and and now and my mom did, but not to the extent that my grandmother and my great grandmother did, because of course we were living in the post. Um, processed food world. And so it's just, oh, it's very easy to just go to the grocery store. And now we're seeing, well, that it's a little bit more difficult now. And food prices have skyrocketed. And what do you do? Well, if you don't know, you haven't learned 
from your parents or your grandparents, and they didn't learn from their parents or grandparents how to farm or how to can any of that, then you're kind of, you're lost because you don't have that knowledge. I also think about, I'm a bit of a, um, I'm a language nerd and I love Gothic. You talk about a dead language. Nobody speaks that. We only have, I think, the Our Father and a, a poem by J.R.R. Tolkien because he fell in love with Gothic as well. And so he decided to write a poem in it. I was on the birch tree. When you hear this language, it is so beautiful. And yet it died out. Mm-hmm. And there are other languages like that. You think about Welsh. There are yep. there is a university chair, I think, that's dedicated uh, to preserving the Welsh language because the young people don't speak it as much, mm-hmm. and it's beautiful. Uh, so things like that, and I think you know, just because something is old doesn't mean that it's bad or it's not relevant anymore. Uh, because it's, I believe it still is. Um, and there's so much to learn. Um, mm-hmm. and, but it's also so much to learn going forward as well. Yeah. I'm just going to pull on a thread related to this, the fear of, of loss. Forming an, a relationship with intention with somebody that's older. Um, I would imagine that might be a more stable relationship than just not just but then my daughter's young but her friendships come and go and you know somebody drops off of their Facebook account or you know whatever and they're they're gone forever but you know maybe if we think about people in older generations as a more as kind of a ballast in our lives as opposed to just someone to follow on social media. I don't know. What do you think? Oh, definitely. I think that again, they, especially older generations, they have lived through so much, you know, the tendency when you're young is to think that no one understands what you're going through and nobody has had it as bad as you. And it's never a good idea to compare pain and suffering because everybody's different. Everybody handles things differently. At the same time, I think, I, this is one of the reasons why I wish my dad was still here. You know, he lived through World War II. He was captured by the Nazis and, and sent from his homeland of Poland to a Nazi labor camp in Germany. and. What he lived through, I cannot even imagine because he didn't talk a lot about it until a little bit later in life. And it's always just good to get a perspective. And generally speaking, older generations can give that. Now, again, this goes back to what I mentioned before. The key is a growth mindset. Because I have met older people who have a very closed mindset. They are still stuck in certain thinking and patterns that are negative. 
and not just negative, but unethical. Um, So it's, it's, again, you can't stereotype and say, well, everybody who's older has all this wisdom. Well, some do because they've done the work. Some do because they, you know, they've gotten that perspective, but there are, there are others who have a closed mindset. So yeah, yeah. important caveat to put on this entire conversation. (laughs) Um, So I thank you for adding that. Um, Do you have any thoughts, I guess, sort of in closing about how to go about intentionally building relationships across generations, stepping out of your comfort zone and building a relationship with somebody that's younger or older than you are? Oh, wow. That could be another podcast (laughs) episode by (laughs) itself. (laughs) Um, You know, just again, start with by being open-minded and being vulnerable, obviously with correct boundaries, healthy boundaries. But, you know, this is what I do. I, I, when I go shopping to my local small businesses in my hometown, I always talk to the owner of the store or whoever's working there. And I strike up a conversation. I, you would not believe how many friends I've made just doing that. I have um, one of my dear friends, uh, Susan Carter Morgan, founded the current writers group that I'm a member of, the Water Street Writers. And she's older than me. And I walked into her store. Uh, this was, gosh, oh, how long has it been now? Several years ago, several years. Um, and I... I saw some art or some books on writing and I said something to her and I just, we started a conversation and, oh, I remember what it was. She was doing letterpress at the time. And I had just been to an antique store and seen a letterpress um, cabinet. Oh yeah. And I saw that she had it and I said, hi, I said, I, I don't know if you've seen this already, but just down the street, they have one of these and it was on sale. <laughs> And we, you know, from that conversation, she invited me to the writers group um, and we have, we have just uh, become really amazing friends and her two business partners um, that they've since broke off and done their own thing. They were, they're both artists and I got to know them. They're older than Mm -hmm. I am. To me, age didn't matter. It was, what did we have in common? And there was so much. We had art, we had words, we had beauty. uh, We had all this stuff in common. And that's what you do as you do with, with anyone that you're making friends with. You find the commonality, you honor the differences and you just embrace the relationship and you, and you just work on it uh, constantly. So, I mean, there are, there are people to new friends to be found. Um, I love how some people say, you know, stranger is just a friend that I haven't met yet. Um, And I don't quite, I'm not quite that extroverted, but enough that I have, I always make friends wherever I go because I just am open to learning. For me, that's really what it's about. It's that curiosity and that open growth yeah. mindset. Really come, if, I know I keep saying that, but it really comes all back Absolutely, to that. yeah. And the willingness to just be a tiny bit vulnerable, even just for a second, just to make one statement and see where it takes you or one question. And that could open the door to a conversation, which could open the door to a friendship. And regardless of age, 
ask that question and, and right. you know, be a tiny bit vulnerable. Well, I thank you so much for uh, having this discussion with me and helping me on my journey to think about and investigate intergenerational relationships and how important they are to all of us. I will remind you that Michelle has a book coming out entitled Don't Tell Me to Get Over It, A Father's Love, A Daughter's Grief, and it's coming out soon, so watch for that because that one will be a must-read. And if you're interested in finding her on the web, you can find her at thegriefcurator.com. So thank you so much, Michelle, for joining me in this discussion on Generation Jams. I appreciate your thoughts and wisdom. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for Generation Jams as we journey to better understand generations and how we can live, learn, and work together. Follow us wherever you find your podcasts or listen to us on 360 Talk Radio for Women.